Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. And Paul told the Galatians, who twisted your thoughts? Thinking that you started by what God was doing in your life, now you think you're going to do it. And the truth of the matter is, no one's going to do it but God. No one has the power or, or the capacity to perfect us and to bring us to the image of, of Christ, but God himself. So um, <clears throat> this brother left super encouraged. Uh, and, and you know what this is? I, I want to say this. I told it to him also. When we're here in a state of, man, uh, I let God down right? You were never holding God up. God's not impressed with you. It's called idolatry. When you think that you have let God down. Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. Get off that high cloud. You're not that good. And, and let God finish what he started in you through his spirit, through his word, through his mercy, through his love. And so we, we thank God, and our, our constant attitude is one of celebration um, because God has set his heart towards us. It has pleased him um, to do this work. And, and he's, not, he's, not, he's not impressed when you're doing great, and he's not let down when you are struggling. Um, he's, he's confident in that all his enemies will be under his feet. And, and he will be glorious. He will be victorious. Um, and he will have all the praise and honor and glory. Amen? So um, we're getting prepared this week. I thought it was last week that we were leaving to Peru. But it's actually this week on the 4th. And uh, we will be there for 10 days. Um, championing the cause of family uh, is not something new we're doing. It's something we've been doing for 10 years. And um, this will be the 10th year we go back to Peru. And uh, I keep on getting letters uh, from people. Um, I got a letter from Argentina. We, just, we were there like about four weeks ago. And the pastor there says, every time you guys come, the families are transformed. And we hadn't even left, and, and like the following week, uh, I had a letter from the pastor there, and he says, we want you to come back next year. And it's a year ahead, and they're saying, we, we want more of what you just dropped off because we're seeing how the families are being transformed. And uh, so we're, we're asking God to be used by God to, to impact our generation. Um, I want you to be encouraged, and this is how we have felt since day one in our church here, that this is not something that I do. This is something that God has called the church to do. I'm part of the church, so I'm, I'm involved in that. I, I want you also to be able to show your family off. The devil has done such destruction to the family because he knows that family reveals the heart of God. And so he has caused us to despise family and to hurt family and to engage in extreme 
expressions of selfishness. Um, this week I had a whole bunch of couples come into my office and set appointments through Save Your Marriage. Uh, that people continue to call, that continue to come in. The mystery is that um, Billy Graham says that those who hear God's word, some want to melt and do God's will. They, they're broken uh, and they said, you know something, we want what you're talking about. And then others that we talked to this week have said, um, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. And, and what they're saying is, <clears throat> they're saying what you're talking about, our family walking in love, peace, and joy, I'm not interested in that right now. I want revenge. I want payback. I want to destroy. I want to be part of the devil's game plan. Uh, to me, uh, it's twisted thinking. Uh, recently I heard a pastor said it's stinking thinking it's twisted how if God already has a perfect game plan you want to continue to be part of Satan's chaos I don't understand it um, there's there's a leverage there's a margin of stupidity that's permitted when you're new how many say amen because one of the guys that I met this week he set up an appointment with me 10 days ago, and, and because I was five minutes late, he picked up and threw a tantrum and left. So 10 days later, he sets another appointment, he comes back. And so I said, you didn't wait for me for five minutes? I'm sitting here giving everything I have to you for free, and you don't wait five minutes? You're a brat. That was a tantrum you're throwing. So he apologized. He goes, I know. I'm sorry. And, um, but... We need to understand that, that in God's game plan, um, we're being set free ourselves. Some people think that I do this out of matter of, as a matter of my profession. Well, he's a pastor. He has to do pastoral things. Listen, what I do, I'm doing because I'm running for my life. I'm, 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 I'm learning these things and I'm living them because I want to escape the destruction that's upon the earth. Um, and we're seeing it grow and grow more and more. This morning, um, I can share what I believe to be God's heart with respect to this word. But I know for a fact that more than just words, God wants you to clearly see what is, a, what is the dilemma of mankind the very crisis of man. And if you're, if you're a homo sapien, if you're part of humanity and mankind, this is for you. And God wants to do something in your life so you, it's resolved with respect to no more crisis, no more calamity and dilemma, and that you begin to now operate in what is God's burden to rescue mankind to be a part of his plan so tell your neighbor neighbor if ever you listen to a word from God today is your day today needs to be 
needs to be the day you receive the word of the Lord. <clears throat> we, we've been pastoring now in this church for 16 years. And before that, we were youth pastors for five years. So that's 21 years of working for the Lord. Um, one of the things that we understood that when God is trying to get our attention, the devil is trying to distract us. When God is trying to speak to our hearts, other things, thoughts and concerns weigh our hearts down to not be able to listen to God. I pray that today be one of those days you receive and listen and welcome God's word to your heart. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for each man, woman, and child that loves you with all their heart. Thank you that you have cultivated that love because to those who are forgiven much, they love much. And we now bow our knees before you because of your embrace, because through your spirit we have felt that we are the objects of your devotion, that we are of high concern on your priority list, that you gave your son, your only son, motivated by affection of love towards us, something we might not ever be able to wholly comprehend. And this day we want to receive what you have for us, we know you want our attention. We know you want us to welcome your thoughts in our hearts, thoughts to prosper us and give us a hope and a future, thoughts for fruitfulness, that our joy might be filled to full capacity. Allow your words to direct our steps, to direct our thoughts, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And today we want to receive and welcome your word in such a way that nothing distracts, nothing becomes a barrier and obstructs our view and our understanding. That through your spirit, you might impart and imprint your love upon our hearts and heal the thirst we have. Quench our thirst, Lord satiate our hunger for the reality of your embrace that brings protection, provision, purpose, significance into our lives at a measure so that we not thirst and we not beg. Prosper your word in our hearts and in our lives and allow this message to not only come into our intellect but that it would become our life so that we might be Vessels of honor, instruments of righteousness in a ministry of your love to the nations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I have a responsibility that is, is, is huge. Um, week after week, um, 
service by service, people, people are coming into the house of God. If you know my personal life, you know that, that, that my conversation with anyone at any time will be the knowledge of God and the understanding of God. And, and even amongst those of us that have been walking for a long time, for 20 years, you have already shared the initial aspects of the love of God, but we go deeper and deeper and deeper into this understanding. So we're not there yet. But this world, and the majority of the people that come here might come here once. They might not even understand why they need to come to the house of God or why we come or why we remain. But the truth of the matter is, Matthew 24, 12 says that in the last days, because of wickedness, the, the expression of sin in the world in any of its forms, if you see sin uh, in the world, however you might see it, and it almost seems like in our news reports, one news report after another news report on the newspaper, you see expressions of the most vile kind, twisted behavior amongst men. Matthew 24, 12, could we put that up there? No, it's having problems? Okay. Um, this verse says the following, because <clears throat> wickedness shall increase, the love of many will grow cold. And when we're talking in these terms, um, I can, I can almost promise you, I could almost promise you that anything that rubs you wrong or has you upset is caused by sin. It might be something severe. Uh, last night at our house, one young man decided whatever object was in his hand, he would throw it and unleash it and hit another guy. And so the guy, he says, ow! What? what? And so what occasioned his ow and hey was the other man's action. I can safely say this morning that whatever has you upset is most probably another man's sin. Another man's act that has offended you. Another man's act that has not demonstrated care and affection towards you. And so because they use the word iniquity, because wickedness shall increase and abound, the love of many shall diminish. And what is happening upon the earth is... Men carrying, I mean, just, 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 just weighed down, carrying the reality of the loss of love. And this, this absence of affection towards you causes a distortion on everything God has created. Everything that's wrong upon the earth uh, can be defined as the absence of God's love and presence. And, and, and so 
in the full measure of what love is and what God is. And if that has access towards our life, what it means to be the objects of God's love, there's going to be a flourishing and a fruitfulness and an existence that will far surpass our imagination. And then the opposite is true where there is no love, then there is the thorns and the wicked bitterness, sentiments, and depression of being stripped of that which satisfies the soul. I have a friend of mine who says, because I was so hurt in areas of man's love towards my life in my father and in a stepfather who raped him and just a whole bunch of expressions of sin, he embraced homosexuality in an attempt to satiate that need for manly affirmation. So he says to, to a bitter man, um, even, uh, it says to a man who, who desires to be fed and satiated, even the bitter things are sweet. Um, a man's uh, a desire for his wife's love and affection will try and find in the disrespectful day-to-day uh, anxieties of a bitter home life will go out and, and commit adultery and do what doesn't please God. Another expression of sin. So everything that man does that is sinful is actually an expression where love is absent. And so here we see that in the last days, because wickedness will abound and increase, the love of many will wax cold. What does that mean? When there is no love, then there's the expression of everything that's not love. When there is no provision of what God intended man to have, then man continues to manifest and behave and run towards deep-seated distortions of love. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says the last days will be dangerous times, and it, it tells us that it will be perilous times that will come to pass. And I want you to, again, go to this scenario of danger, of, of twistedness and of distortion, because man has been decapitated of his provision of embrace. So verse 2 says, man will be, if nobody will love me, I'll love myself. If I do not feel the purpose, provision, protection, if I do not feel that I'm, I'm on the receiving end of being loved, I'm going to go out and get it myself. And the most wicked man upon the earth is a selfish man. You can say amen right there. Amen. And then you can say, that's me. That's me. If I'm not being loved, I'll love myself. If somebody won't give me something as an affection and generosity, I'll steal it. If, if I'm not... Uh, satisfied uh, I'll even go to the extent of uh, look what it says lovers of themselves lovers of money do you know that what's at the heart of many men wanting to have money is because they feel that 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 provision of money is their lifeline to gain stuff to feel I'm accepted I'm embraced I'm provided for I'm protected so money becomes a replacement 
for love. Because I'll tell you what, um, once you're loved, who cares about money? Because the love of God has the full provision of all things needed. And we're going to see that. But these men who walk absent the love begin to be selfish. They begin to seek money. They begin to brag. Um, the affirmations of love are, are uh, words that affirm and give you value. Well, if nobody's going to talk about how good I am because of how much I'm loved, then I'm going to talk about how good I am. And I'll give my own boasting. I'll give my own words of praise. I'm, I'm the best person I know. Driving a car, riding a bicycle, selling in the commercial venue. And, and so you're filled. Um, if you ever see somebody manifesting these things, you'll know one thing. Not that he's a jerk, but he's absent love. He's absent embrace. He's absent the affections and praise that is the consequence of love. It continues on to say disobedient to parents, unthankful. Since I am not receiving love, I, I have no one to thank. Um, after unthankful, it says unholy. If you go back to verse 2. Um, the last one, unholy. I want to say that the expressions of us having broken off from the love of God causes us to do every ungodly, twisted, perverted conduct. It's, it's, it's a very um, unsightful. Verse 3, unloving unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, without the ability to say, you know something, this is going to be taken care of. I, I don't have to take care of it myself. I have somebody who loves me, who's, who has my back. Brutal. Um, I, I recall before becoming a Christian how uh, the word brutal means you trample upon others. You don't care about anybody. You care about yourself. Nobody has cared about me. Why should I care about others? Despisers of good. I'm not looking for those things that are right. Verse 4, it says traitors. Traitors. Um, in, in the history of these spies that have uh, betrayed the United States, uh, almost always is a sense of... Uh, they have let me down, so now I'm going to turn them in. That's what betrayal is. It's, it's a reaction to offenses of, of being, uh, when, when Judas uh, betrays Jesus Christ, he's let down by the whole, he's walking with Jesus for three years, and then he says, Jesus, um, let's go and, and conquer the Romans. Let's go and set up a political party. Judas was saying, and, and he turns to Judas, and he says, Judas, my kingdom is not of this world. Happened with you for three years. We have a nice little political party here. We're gonna take a. We're gonna come against the Romans. What do you mean? You're you're not into that? 
well, I'm going to go and get on the other side. So he goes to the chief priest and he receives money and he says, I'll point Jesus out to you and betrays him. And, and he, was, he was walking in a perception of I'm not embraced. I'm not. And, and here it keeps on going. It says headstrong, stubborn, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So all these expressions in our day and age, and, and you know, like we, we talked about in the movie Irreplaceable, that this man sets out to find out what's wrong with the earth and the families in the earth. And he comes to the last day and he says, you know what's the problem with my family? He says, me. I don't have, to say, I don't have time to waste blaming my husband about everything we're doing and everything's going on. My children... Because at the end of the day, I'm the problem. He says, my dad cheated on my mom. My dad was unfaithful. My dad, I, I hate my dad. I, I have issues against my dad. He's, he's a fake. And then he comes to the realization, wait a second. Um, my lack of love towards my dad is the problem. It's not that he's not perfect. It's that I, I don't have the capacity I've rejected him. I have bitter feelings towards him. Um, when we don't have the lifeline of God to our individual lives, and this is why Jesus Christ came to the earth, because he came to settle that once and for all, to deliver you from sin, from the effects of, of not having to act like you're not loved, because there, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff coming from that message there, there, there is talking about drinking um, water out of a fire hydrant. Have you tried to do that? Take off that and, and you're trying to, listen, there's a lot of love coming from here. And if you are able to tap into this reality, it's, it's done. It's done. There's no more distortion. There's no more of the expressions of this vast desert land where we're, we're trying to find our existence instead of coming over and being connected in the reality of this relationship. So uh, another, another passage in the New Testament that talks about men not being able to acknowledge God, not being able to know about what he's done is Romans one twenty six. Where God says, okay, you do not, you are not being connected to this reality of my expression over your life in existence. So I'll give you up. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. When, when you're not uh, capturing the love of God, then you're enslaved to every form of expression to imitate and substitute that love. What are these things? And it starts listing them here in verse 28. Even though they did not take for this, even as they did not like to retain the God in the knowledge, God gave them over up to a twisted mindset to those things that are not fitting. Verse 29. Being filled with all expressions of unrighteousness. Every Every expression of things that are not right, 
are the result of not giving ourselves over to God's love. Sexual immorality. I'm just overwhelmed by the amount in our day and age of people given over to sexual intimacy that's perverted. It's not straight, but we continue to fall in the vast expanse of twisted intimacy. We're going to get into that in a second. Wickedness, desire, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. Uh, in our day and age, uh, forensic files and CSI Miami and, and all these things of twisted. Um, this one woman killed three husbands by, by feeding him antifreeze. No, no ideas for the wives here, okay? Rebuke that in Jesus' name. I'll start researching that. But do you understand that in our day and age, the amount, we, we consider entertainment people killing other people. Studying the mindset of serial murderers. And in our day, listen to me, I, I want to just give you the, the, the final expression of this, this manner of wickedness. Jeffrey Dahmer is a man so stripped for affection that every time he invites a guest over, when the guest wants to leave, he kills him, chops him up, and sticks him in the freezer so he doesn't leave because he's so lonely. That, that's bizarre. But, but at the same time, it's reality. And you might not do that in the physical realm, but when you don't forgive somebody, when you hold a grudge, when you're, when you're moved in an ungodly mindset, you're doing the same thing. You could say, man, that was good. That was God. That was God. We hold people's offenses and, and we put them in our freezer and we say, I will always remember the day you tried to leave that afternoon and you hurt my feelings. I chopped you up, picadillo, and I put you in the freezer and I'm going to remember what you did to me for the rest of my life. Tell your neighbor he's talking to you. And so the only hope that this world has and, and I'm telling you, in my personal life, Christ has set me free. Christ has healed my heart. He's done a, a wonderful work because the love of God has been poured out. So you see the list here, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. They are uh, gossipers. They are backbiters. They hate God. They're violent. They're proud. Verse uh, 30. Proud boasters, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning. Verse 31. They can't get it clear. You can't trust them. They're unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. They know the righteous judgments of God. Those who practice such things will lead to destruction. Those that practice such things deserve death. They not only continue to do this distorted practice of things, but they start giving people the sign, what you're doing is awesome. Continue to treat them like that because he hurt you, because he offended you, because he's not loving on you like he should. The manifestations for sin, which God condemns all men, is just the absence of his love. So what's God have to do? He has to bring in a full measure of his love. 
expressing God's love through his son. God, the glory of God is the reflection of his character and in all things, this is love. This is God saying, I'm gonna fully provide for you, fully protect you. I'm your all-encompassing source and wellspring for every and anything so that you are confident of his embrace and love. Confident, fully aware of that existence. To such a degree, this has been uh, man's plight since day one in Genesis chapter three, verse 10. When man walked away from God's love, the, the temptation was God doesn't really love you because he's kept something from you. So take it yourself. God doesn't really love you because he's told you not to eat off the tree. And so go and take it yourself. So man walks out of God's love and into the absence of his love and takes and betrays God and walks far from God's heart. And he falls in the condemnation of nakedness and fear. He says, when God came looking for him, I heard your voice in the garden and I was full of fear. Because I was naked, so I went and hid myself. Those elements are there. Those elements are there in every single one of our lives. And God has uh, done a great thing in the, the provisions of his love towards our life so that fear has no place. Every action we have to walk in fear, the distortion of love, is setting us up for really ungodly acts, manipulations, uh, trying to find a covering on ourselves. This, this intimacy is stripped, which we all long for. That, that's why I believe that sexual immorality becomes one of the greatest expressions of missing out on God. As soon as you start to doubt the love of God, fear enters your heart and you start moving in a bizarre manner it towards that which is not God's provision. Because in God's love, there's full provision. And so fear is wiped out, and it says that in 1 John 4, 18. The two elements that are present when the love of God is absent is fear and nakedness or shame. We've lost our cover, our provision. But here it says there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves torment. When I don't feel that I'm loved and I'm cared for and provided, that's a scary place to be. So I better get a big fat bank account. How many say amen? I better make sure I spend more hours at work than serving God. I better spend more time in the cares of this life than in the concerns of the kingdom of God. Because I'm looking for cover. I'm looking to get rid of my nakedness. I, I want to remove my torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So you see the ranges of the people that are, that are straggling out here trying to get provision, protection, the embrace, the acceptance, the, the abundance of, of God's goodness. And then you see the guys here that are so steadfast in the love of God that all I need is all I need is God. 
I, I had those challenges as a lawyer. I said, okay, I could go do a big case and get big provision. So Lord, I'll be back. I'm going to go walk and get my provision. And, and God says, okay, I hope your provision's there forever. I said, no, no, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you. Because you will never leave you, me. You will never forsake me. I don't need what this world is offering me because I am loved by the Father at full expressions, full measure. I, I know men that have walked in that, oh, sorry God, but I got, and they got huge bank accounts. They have huge provisions of this world. They don't have the love of God. They don't, they're, not, they're not understanding. And so here we see that where there's no love, there's a lot of fear, and where there is a lot of love, fear has no place. And the one who is tormented or having feelings of distort, distorted worship has not been made perfect in love. I, I, guys, I'm not there yet by the, any stretch of the imagination. But I got it clear that I need more of God in my life. I, I, got, I need more of him. I was telling some man, that he called me this week, I said, look... Anything that's out of order in my life is not God, it's me. What's messed up in my life is not that God has left me hanging, is I've left God hanging. I've, I haven't been where God wants me to be doing what God has called me to do. Matthew 25, 25, the man who's given talents, he says, I was afraid, no love, so I went and I hid the talent. I was afraid. I didn't understand your relationship. My son asked me that last week, he says, Dad, why was God still helping Samson on our Monday services? Why was God continuing to help this knucklehead? I mean, he's just a mess. I said, because God is faithful. And it has nothing to do with Samson being a knucklehead. God will always show up and God will always be God. And his affections are 100%, 1,000%. But when we begin to act like this man, I'm going to disconnect from understanding God's love and I'm going to go and hide into the ground and look, there's, look what I did. I have, I have preserved your talent. And so we, we're moving uh, pretty quickly here. Love appears to save and heal man, to deliver him. The entirety of God's love will supply the full measure of man's need. In John 3.16, when we see these words that we all know very well, that God so loved the world that he gave his son. His affections were towards us at levels that would require the gifting of his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, a full measure of that life. When they asked him, we, we need a clear understanding of what it is to love God or what it is to be loved by God. Matthew twenty two thirty six. they say, teacher, just give it to us in a one-liner. And if you give it to us in a one-liner, we'll be focused. 2236. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in your your, your book of the law, what, what is it? Just point it out to us so we can see the main theme. And verse 37, he said, uh, the issue, 
my friends, is love. The issue is not economics. The issue is not political. It's not business. It's not commerce. The issue is you're aligning yourself with the love of God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Have a capacity to tap into this. And the second one is not much more sophisticated, but it's like it, verse 38. That's the first and great coming. The second one is you shall love in the direction of your neighbor as you yourself want to be loved. Verse 40, on these two focal points is where all the law and all my messages from my messengers are encompassed. Knowing the love of God, experiencing the love of God, bringing God's love into my life, tapping into it. Well, Lord, um, I do love you. No, no. I can see that you're deficient in this area uh, there in Matthew 6, 24, because when you're engulfed with the love of God, you will bow down to put him at the forefront of your life. You cannot serve two masters. The issue of serving is the component of what you're going to love and what you're going to despise. He says, uh, serving is about loving. You can't serve without loving. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will lo be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and show the expression of how you serve mammon. How you pursue provision in money. The concern of why we can't love God is verse 25. Do not worry about your life. That, that's at the heart of our inability to love. Lord, I can't love you the way you want me to love you. That would cause me to have to say goodbye to all my lovers. To all the ones I do serve and I am loyal to and I hang out with and devote my time and my talents and my treasure. What you eat, what you will drink, all these things about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and body more than clothing. Um, the schooling that I was raised up in, had I not come to the Lord early, was get all you can and can all you get. Stick it in the, in the bank accounts. Get all you can and can all you get. So if I use my efforts and my abilities and my savvy in the affairs of the world, I don't have time for you. Listen to me. I do not have time for you. I told the man on the phone this day, if I was thinking like you're thinking, I'm hanging up the phone now because I don't have time for you. You say you can't come to church because you're worried about your son. And I have four sons. So if I thought like you, I wouldn't be here. So we can't think like the world, concern ourselves with the world, be cut off from the love of the Father, and, 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 and be able to live like God is calling us to live. Because God has not called me to fill a bank account with millions of dollars. He's called me to live my life for his kingdom. 
to live my life for his pleasure and he would take care of all my affairs. And I praise God for the way he's doing it. I praise God for his faithfulness. I don't have a bank account with millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands for that fact. If, if, if I were to concern myself that God would walk out on my life and on my children and on my grandchildren, you guys would never see me again. Because I'd be too busy with stinking thinking. I'd be, be caught up in the ways of this world. But I have known the love of God. I have known the love of God. And the love of God has provisions that far surpass mammon by a thousand degrees. Because if you're serving mammon, you better get ready for mammon to betray you because he's a false god. He's an idol. He makes you move in fear. God calls us to grow in faith. To learn about his love more and more every day. It starts off with... Timothy telling Paul in 1 Timothy 1.5, the purpose of everything we're learning is so that all believers might be filled with that love. The purpose of our being instructed coming to church is that we might tap into the love from a pure heart, a good conscience, sincere faith. That nothing is going to strap the hand of God from blessing and prospering your life. That the more you walk in His commandments, as a priority, the more you experience his love. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Align up your affections to coming within the boundaries of his instruction. And you will see the love of God being perfected in your heart. Verse 21, chapter 14. The same chapter, verse 21, he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him, and I will show up. I will show him what it is to be loved. I will show him. There's, there's something peculiar about love. Um, the, the details of love are so personal and descriptive. They're so intimate. They're so amazing. Verse 23, he says, He that has my commandments, he who, um, and keeps them, it is he who loves me. He answered said to me, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our family with him. He's in the family. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, if you understand my instruction, you shall abide in my love. What does abide in love mean? You're not going to have fear. You're not going to have torment. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his embrace. 1 John 5, 3. For this is love. That we Keep his instructions. And his instructions are not burdensome. His commandments are not a problem to me. I, I thought that it used to be uh, that if, I, if they force me to do what God wants, they're pushing their religion on me. 30 years later, I find out that every single one of his commandments are his hug and embrace in my life. 
keeping me from destruction, keeping me from frustration, keeping me from great depression. Everything he's taught me has saturated me with his love. And in our last days, we are saturated in the absence of love. The day Jesus is baptized, Matthew 3.17, the words come out of heaven. He's keeping the commandments of the Lord. John the Baptist says, you don't need to get baptized. He goes, yes, I do. Yes, I do have to stay in line with his instruction. And suddenly a voice comes from the heaven. This is my son who I am so in love with. This is my beloved son. This is my son that all of my provision are upon him in vast, extravagant, and lavish provision. Nothing will keep me. Last night we were playing, um, what's that called? When they, what was it called? Knockout. Knockout. You get in a line and you shoot a basketball. If the guy comes behind you and shoots a basketball before you do, if you're in front of him, you're out. If he shoots it and makes it, you go in front of him. So at one point, the ball comes, and, and I see an adult, my friend, an older guy, he grabs a ball that, that reflects off, and he throws it far. I said, like, why do you do that? Because my son is next, and I don't want him to get out. So he's moving in the direction of making sure there's provision for his son. And that's what God does in his love. He has your back all the time. Anytime, with everything that's going on, it's impossible. The only way you would not receive this is if you walk away from it, like the prodigal son. Dad, I don't need you no more. If I get provision, I'm on my own. Well, he soon found out that you can't live without the love of God. You cannot live without the love of God. So Jesus getting baptized, he says, a voice comes from the heaven. This is my beloved, my very well-loved son in whom I take great pleasure. The question of man is that he needs to replace. He needs to replace the absence of that reality with, with power, with fame, with money, with business, only to find out. You're far from his embrace. Right after he gets baptized, Jesus goes into the desert, Matthew 4, and he's tempted three times with three areas. In verse 3, it says, The tempter came to him. If you are loved, command these stones to turn into bread. He's like, you don't get it, devil. I am loved, and I don't have to walk because man shall not live based on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Verse 4. I need to be hearing God, not eating the bread that you say will satisfy me. I need to connect with God. Because if I'm connected with God, everything flows from that relationship. Matthew uh, 4, 5, then the devil takes him and he says, Well, surely if you make a mistake like jumping off this hill, then, then you're going to test the, God's love won't be there for you. He says, Yes, it will. Yes, it will. He took him to a holy city, set him at the pinnacle of a temple and says, Jump. Verse 6, let's see if God's word is true. The angels will bear you up. Get yourself in the position where, where you're going to see that God's going to leave you hanging. And he said, no devil, you got it all wrong. Verse 7, 
On the other hand, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. I'm not, I don't have to, you're not going to move me in a direction to do something that, that is not what God wants me to do to test that I'm loved. That's not going to happen. So finally he says, well, why don't you do another thing? You, you're already loved in provision like you've said. Your provision is God's promises, God's word. Your forgiveness and protection you've already dealt with. You don't have to find it outside of God because he'll have your back. But how about significance? In verse 8, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him the glory of this world, all the kingdoms, and says, look, you could, you could ensure and guarantee yourself to be significant if you walk away from the love of God and embrace the world. And he says, no, I'm only going to bow down to the source of God's love in verse 10. He says, Satan, go, for it is written, you shall, not worship, the, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. I'm not going to be dis, uh, disconnected. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.14, he says, when I'm writing to you these things, it's not an imposition of shame. I don't write these things to shame you. God's provision is not one to strip you of your cover. But I write these things because you are loved children. You'll always see that play, that the lack of love will lead you to shame. The lack of his cover will lead you to nakedness. The lack of his love will lead you to fear and torment, to act in ways that are super shameful, super shameful. This is seen clearly in Matthew 19, 16, when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, teacher, what should I do that I might obtain the full measure of life? What he was saying is, I don't feel loved yet. I have everything. I have a religious life. I've kept all the commandments. I have a wealthy life. I've hoarded up wealth, a rich young ruler. I have youth. I, I feel that I have all things. And, and Jesus talked to him about the commandments. He says, yeah. I've, I've kept all the commandments, verse 20. All these things I've kept since I was a young boy. What do I still lack? Why do I feel that something's still missing? And I love verse 21. Jesus says, if you want to find out a full measure of the perfect love of God, strip yourself of all those things you've been embracing. Get rid of those things and watch God's love. Watch how he adorns you. Watch how he, he had missed it to some degree. If you want to be perfect, go and get rid of all these things you're hanging on. Go, go and get rid of relationships that are not the godly relationships he wants you to have in, in every realm and venue. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And then it says in verse 22, but the young man heard these sayings and went away sorrowful. Because the vast expression of his possessions covered him. And he couldn't see the advantages of being covered by the love of God. But I, I want to suggest, and you answer this question, who adorned him in the first place? How did he receive the goodness of God in his life in the natural? If it wasn't God's goodness. If it wasn't his embrace. He, he, didn't, he didn't equate the, the prosperity and the blessing he had with the goodness of God in heaven. He thought he acquired everything on his own. 
He thought it was his own, his own doing when in fact it's God who allows it to pour forth over our lives, our next breath. Ephesians 3.16, he says, I pray that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that you would be fully adorned. Listen to me. Please listen to me. That the full, you allow the full expression of his love to adorn your life a thousand percent. To be strong in his might and with his spirit, understanding his love. Verse um, 17. That Christ would be in you. In your hearts through faith, being rooted and grounded in the love of God. That nothing could disconnect you from that reality. And then verse 18, so then you'll be able to see with all those that surround you, what is the true width and length and height and depth. What it is to know, verse 19, the love of Christ, which surpasses every idea you thought of love. So that you might be filled with the fullness of everything God has planned. It includes, I wanted to say for most of you guys are sacrificing away from God and you're missing out your glorious ministry. You're bowing down at the altars of this world's uh, promise for provision. While you're missing out the glories that God was talking about. The things that were prepared before the foundations of the earth. Then you'll know the fullness of God. And then you will see, verse 20, he who is able, you will see he who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or ask according to a mighty power that walks, uh, works towards us. Um, this morning, this is truly just scratching the surface as an introduction to give us understanding of what God is leading us to, where he's calling our children to. Uh, it's a travesty to lead our children to a dead end. That thinking that their embrace for love will be in the life of a boyfriend or a relationship. That maybe the church is saying, you know something, it's not the season. That's not what, you're, that's not what God wants for you in this season. Don't, don't trade away what God has planned for you, what he has prepared in his love. He tells Peter and John 21, 15. Hey, do you really love me? You have vowed to love me, but do you really love me? Then concern yourself with my people. Concern yourself with, he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, then get involved. There's, there's no greater place upon the planet that allows you to exercise the love of God than amongst his people. Just our projects I see some people doing projects outside of the kingdom of God, and it's just vain. It's just temporary. It, it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't fulfill. It doesn't satisfy and fulfill your need for love, and it doesn't satisfy and fulfill the need for the love of those people that they're doing it for. Let's stand this morning. I hope that, that there is a glimpse of understanding that you need to perfect that relationship of love with God. That in times of difficulties and absence and feelings of nakedness and fear and torment, you, you not react in an ungodly way to go satisfy yourself amongst the swine. 
but that you say, I need to go and replenish at the true source of my need, which is God. I need to meditate upon his word. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my sheep. If you love me, you will walk in the Father's embrace. Romans 5.5 says it clearly, the source of this love is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Our hope for this love does not disappoint us because the love of God is being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You can have a full measure of this love and then you become a wellspring. You start giving people in every direction the manifestation of His glory. And that's the love of God. In your time, in your service, your generosity goes through the roof. If you understood how God wants to fix the dynamics of um, tithing and offering in the house of God is what you do when you're trying to plumb a line. Sometimes we have a pump out at the house and I turn it on and nothing comes out. And the guy says, grab a hose and put water into it. I was like, that's stupid. How am I going to get more water pouring water in? He says, try it. And tithing and offering is that throwing that exercise to prime the pump. And then listen to me. When I do that, there's a provision that is endless. And I've seen that when we become faithful to God, He puts us in a position to be a wellspring of gifting of everything He puts in your hands at vast proportions. The love to the nations. Listen, um, the time we take out to travel to other nations, you guys do the math. You only have a, some time to offer your children, right? So if we're given time away, then where, what happens? And the thing is that that is only, I don't have a Peruvian in my family. I don't have an Argentina, Nicaraguan, Ecuadorian. I don't have him in the natural family. But the love of God compels us to give what we have received. To give those people an opportunity to experience the love of God in our visitation, in our time. I pray this morning that you not leave this message here at the church, but that you allow it to come into your life. Because then that becomes a glorious expression of a world-changing person, man or woman. And then you cannot talk about how much you're loved when you're experiencing it at measures that far blow you away. Raise your hand this morning and say, God, perfect your love in me. Everywhere where I'm struggling, everywhere where I go and seek, Everywhere where I have wandered off, that which the devil has promised me, I renounce and I'm making room for you. You're my provider. You're my provision. You're my beloved. And I'm your beloved. Draw me close to you. I want more intimacy with you, God. I want to hear your words of love. I want to receive your reality and embrace. 
I don't have nothing in this whole world, oh God, that could quench and satiate my thirst and hunger. But your love, your goodness, your provision, your significance, your promise. Perfect love in me, oh God. That I not walk in fear and unbelief in the distorted manifestations of a person stripped of your embrace. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Let your Holy Spirit pour out the love of God in my heart so that my hope is not disappointed. So I need not walk in fear and shame and nakedness. Adorn me, O oh God, with your thoughts of righteousness and your pursuit of your omnipotent presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, 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 and amen. Greet one another in the love of God.